We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, first of all, let me say we have been gone for a minute. So I just want to say happy to be back. Okay, I know the guy at the bottom. Wait a minute. Hold up. The guy on my left. Is that my left, my right? I don't know. That's not Will. Will, we miss you. We love you. Will is having car problems. G is filling in. I know, I know. Listen, don't leave. Don't leave. Don't leave. G not. G is not producing. G is not in charge. G is a guest. Do not leave. <laughs> this other guy, this other New York guy, yeah. Chris Williamson, thank you for joining. Thank you for joining the show. First time thank guest. Thank you so much. It's an honor and a privilege to be uh, talking to y'all. So I can't wait to get into all the Heat and Knicks content that uh, we should dive into. All right. So right before we get started, let me just give a shout out to uh, my illustrious producer, Brian M. Brian yo, M is yo, back yo. there behind What's the scenes. What's up, guys? So, all right. So let's just let's just dive into it. So I I feel like we really just have to we would be remiss if we don't talk about the injuries that are happening just basically with every team in the playoffs and most importantly between the Knicks and the Heat, all right? Um, we know Jimmy missed game two, Randall missed game one. Uh, we sit at a split. How do you guys think the injuries have affected this series so far? Chris, I'm going to come to you first since you're a guest in my house. I appreciate that. Um, so – for me, <clears throat> I think the injuries, it's like in an even trade-off, right? You know, and we know Jimmy Butler is the Heat's undisputed or undoubtedly best player, and Julius Randle is, you know, 1B for the Knicks. It was an even trade-off, and even though, you know, I feel like the Knicks missed a great opportunity um, or in the game one when they didn't have Randle because they had the pieces, they had the the wherewithal to – take down the heat, but because of the lack of execution from Tibbs and the team, they fell short. And then when you look on the other side, uh, which with the Miami heat and Jimmy being out, it forced the heat players and coach Spo to really adapt and play to their strengths, you know, not exposing their weaknesses. Cause you got all these undrafted guys who are playing like they're legit starters uh, against a really good Knicks team. So just in short, that's how I feel. I feel like the Heat have done a better job, you know, with the injury situation. Even though they lost in game two, the fact that they were in that game and leading with like seven minutes um, up by six or something, that told me 
look, man, this heat culture, as much as it gets talked about and as annoying as it is sometimes, <laughs> like, what does that mean? What, like, because I'm not there. It's clear, Coach Spo, Pat Riley, and everybody, they have a great system in place where mm-hmm. if somebody goes down, the next man is going to step up tremendously, not just like some average player. They are going to be the real deal. Chris, what's crazy to me is like, I think going into the playoffs, if you were to ask Heat fans or people that cover the Heat, is depth a strength for this team? I think they all might unanimously have said no. There's a lot, mm-hmm. as much as the national media likes to praise the uh, litany of undrafted players, a lot of the fan base has gotten really tired of it. They say, we want NBA players. This is yeah. nice and cute once in a while. But the fact that everybody on this team is either, you know, Jimmy, Bam, Tyler, or an undrafted guy uh, is is a little frustrating. And the fact that, you know, and I think you see, like, you know, guys like that, they are undrafted for a reason. And then with their hard work and obviously Miami's kind of uh, infrastructure, they're able to kind of get chances and improve their game with the coaching staffs and with kind of, you know, I want to always give credit to the players who who do the work. And you kind of saw how last season they were great, right? They were all really good shooters. They all kind of punched above their weight. And this season, that all fell to earth. And I don't think that happens so much with, you know, really touted, highly talented players. I mean, everybody has their kind of uh, peaks and valleys. But I think with the kind of undrafted guys, you see it a little bit more often. And and they hit a big valley all season. And now those guys are playing up to the level that we saw last year. And all of a sudden... They're playing. They've. I think they've played everybody on the roster except for mm. Nikola Jovic and Udonis right. Haslam. Although I think UD got a couple minutes at the end there, in the Bucks yeah. game. But Chris, it's crazy. Like I, I just, I cannot believe that they're getting productive minutes out of Haywood Highsmith, who I saw on Twitter someone say that's a football name. Eric Spolster's winning with football players. <laughs> Listen. To let, let's see, Haywood has been getting a lot of slander, but gee, you need to step up and admit who said in the preseason he would be playing pivotal minutes for this team. Who Tiff, said you it? campaign? Tiff, you campaign. That was that was you. The movement, the movement was all you. I right, listen, Hamish or bust, Hamish or bust. That's it. <laughs> that man, listen, he, I, I get it. The shot is not where you want it to be. We all agree on that. He could be a better shooter. Yes. But he's got some intangibles. And if you can get him out there in spurts, he can give you something. Um, it's right. We saw though. that. Yeah, go ahead. Yes. But I want to go back to something Chris said because uh, you said it was an even trade off with the end. I felt like because, yeah, I felt like it was an even trade off in the sense that, you know, both teams uh, stepped up when they mm-hmm. needed to, um, depending on who was out. And yeah, that's why, that's why I felt like that. Okay. 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 I get, I get it. Cause at first I thought you were saying the, di- the difference between Julius and Jimmy was the even trade off. Oh no, 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 okay. no, 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 no. Yeah, no. Yeah. Okay. Jimmy Cause I was going to say, don't come, don't come on Betty player. White's internet. <laughs> He's the best that's, player. Jeff, that's the what they'd be saying on Penn station though. Oh, Oh, so they on thirty, they on thirty fourth Street just talking. <laughs> well, you have to understand the Knicks fans. A lot of them have irrational confidence in their players, even with the guys who they're they're down on. You know, because a lot of people <laughs> go hot and cold with Julius, uh, even though he stepped up a lot this year after a horrible a year before. But yeah, they don't. For the most part, they don't think logically. 
It's like, oh, no. We have the better team. We have the best player. It's like, do you, are you watching the same <laughs> same series? Do you know about Jimmy Butler, what he's able to do? Like, it's not like what he did against the Bucks. He's done that before. It's just the fact that they were the eighth seed and right. they took down the number one overseed. Right. People like, oh, it's Jimmy Butler all over again. Uh, but yeah, Jimmy Buckets, I got no problem saying he's the best player in the series when he's on the floor. Okay. okay. Chris, it's crazy. Like, uh, so I, I was watching my, one of my good friends is a Nick fan. He came over to watch the game with me last night. And he, you know, and as, as Nick fans do, I went to game one with another friend that's a Nick fan. And they all talk spicy until Jimmy, <laughs> you know, Jimmy, like Jimmy does a nod and smile thing. And all of a sudden, all that talk went to, he literally said out loud, uh oh, I don't like that. And, I don't think that there's a player that installed that has ever installed fear in another fan base like this version of Jimmy. And I lived through, I was there for LeBron. I was there for Shaq and D Wade. There is something about the mythology of Jimmy Butler that I think Bomani Jones said it when, you know, when he gets going, everyone in the building, Broder away, knows what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. And when I was in MSG, when he had that little run, when he had the couple leak outs and then like the little baseline jumper, that crowd looked horrified because they were like oh no he's it's about to happen and it's done and then he does that smile thing it reminded me of in the finals when he goes you know he's before the game talking to the i think rachel nichols and he's like kind of swaying back and forth he's like nah we're down i I feel good comes out he has that game goes to lebron you're in trouble (laughs) and he was in trouble (laughs) and there's just something about the crazy in him that he backs up that everyone's like oh no (laughs) <laughs> and, and what's wild to me is there is a Jimmy Butler regular season player, and then there is a different beast, a different creature in the playoffs. And to your point, like when in the Bucks series, not to you know go, keep going back to Bucks series, but when he was you know shooting lights out, bringing that team back, all my all my mind could say was, please, please do not let Jimmy. Go off like whatever you gotta do. If you gotta tackle him, please, because I just knew when he was going up for a shot, three point shot. I, oh, that's going in. I I just knew it. And even in this Knicks series in, in game one, there is yeah, like you said, there is a fear about mm-hmm. him uh, that is really remarkable for a guy who had to go to junior college. Uh, then he had to go to Marquette, and they said he wasn't really good. He worked his butt off, mm-hmm. and for him to get to this level where he's a dog in the most important time of the season, it, it just speaks volumes about his character and his, his work ethic. And what really scares me, uh, G, is the fact that he was nodding his head after game two, after he knew they were going to lose. Like, and it was like he, that Cam did, Newton gif? You know, the... Yes, 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 <laughs> yes, exactly. He's, he's putting then, you on high alert. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, oh, I don't want to see that. Because you know something's coming on Saturday. Okay, y'all got y'all got one without me. Okay, I'm about See to y'all. show y'all. I'm about to show you on Saturday, and he well, delivers. The craziest thing about how he delivers is that, gee, what like regular season? He's like a twenty something percent three point shooter, right? Is he's like I don't know. He's twenty eight. Not good. The <laughs> no, math, he's not good. The math would indicate don't take right. that. <laughs> the numbers would say no. Uh, Treats is saying. But the streets are saying he's horrible <laughs> in the regular season. But the postseason, 
he turns into this incredible three-point shooter. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's going to be a big part of, of this series going forward. Um, the Knicks didn't shoot so well from three from game one. Game two, they shot way better from three. Yep. Um, and uh, it feels like the whole world is still amazed that all of a sudden the Heat can shoot three-pointers uh, because they shot horribly. <laughs> they shot what they were the they were what ranked last yeah they were one of they were one of the they were in the bottom yeah. five i believe they're in the bottom five for three-point percentage for the regular season um but we you know and it's thing like you knew they had better shooters at some point you were hoping the water would find its level and it seems to be finding it right about now so i think uh the question would be do you think that these teams can keep shooting at this pace from three or do, do you think someone levels off first? <laughs> Excuse me. I'll say this. I didn't think that the heat were going to be able to shoot the lights out, you know, after that first game against the, Bucks. I'm like, that's abnormal. You know, it's an anomaly. They're not going to shoot that well from three point land and they're going to lose probably in five. And then of course they kept shooting amazingly. Uh, so I don't expect them to level off because I've been wrong about them before, so I'm not going to be wrong again. The Knicks, though, <laughs> they can go hot and cold because Julius Randle can, you know, throw up a lot of shots from three. R.J. Barrett and their time would have cold spells. Um, Jalen Brunson. So I, I think the Knicks will, will level off in game three. The Heat, though, again, even like Duncan Robinson, his shot has been off um, for a while now. But he's still he's coming into his own form, and I think he's maybe due for a big game. And I think that should should scare some Knicks fans because they mm-hmm. can't they can't allow the three point shot to beat them um, in this series. That's just going to be a really tough tough task to handle. And then also, while well, let G go before I, I get into another point because I get a lot to <laughs> well, say. So New York is shooting twenty nine percent in the playoffs from three. They're the worst three point shooting team in the playoffs which is pretty interesting. And Miami is the second highest behind Philadelphia. Um, New York was about a middle of the pack team. They were about 35% during the regular season. And Randall is just really not that good a three point shooter. 34% for his career, 34% this year. The only good year he had was the the one, two years ago where he shot 40%, which I believe it was something like 50% on threes on pull-ups, something like ridiculous. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Totally not sustainable. So, you know, I, I think for sure, like, you know, I, I I would not be surprised if Miami doesn't remember how to shoot for the rest of the series, but I I, I know New York can't shoot, right? And I think we yes. have enough of a sample. And and listen, and they could get hot, you know. Um, they've adjusted nicely. Like, I think one of the big things that 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 the Knicks did was, you know, like if Hart's Hart's in the corner, you know, mm-hmm. he's not taking those open threes, he's driving to the hoop to force a rotation so that they can kick out for a better shot. And they're getting in their offense quicker so they can do stuff like that. I think Bam's respecting Randall shooting a little too much. If you watch, I was watching some film today and he's playing very, very high up in mm-hmm. isolation. And, and I was like, I don't, I don't know what we're doing here. And Randall's blowing by him. Like, I was going right. to say, he's, he's playing him for the yeah. drive. Piff, he's like getting roasted. And I was like, why yeah. are you standing so close to this man? Well, what are you yeah. scared of? <laughs> 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 hey, that's another conversation though with Bam. I, I, I see the discourse in Miami Heat Twitter about oh, how, no. I forget who, who said it. They were like, Bam's a really good player. Um, he's just not who I want him to be. I and saw that okay. tweet. I uh-huh. saw that tweet. Yeah. 
<clears throat> what do you make of that? Because I, I feel like there it's not a love hate relationship, mm. but it's just, bam! I want more. Like you're so you got all these tools and potential, but it's just not coming through. And maybe you guys know better than than me because I don't watch the Heat as religiously as you guys. But is that a sign like that's just not who is he's not going to be that guy? Like he doesn't have it in him. I want him to be Amari Stoudemire on offense. Oh, you want him to be Amari Stoudemire? Just I don't less, think just less homophobic. Yeah, just like less problematic. Like <laughs> I want like non-problematic Amari Stoudemire on offense. I don't even need like the. I don't need as much shooting as Amari gave because Amari was like a really good. I mean, Amari was at one point like the best pick and roll big in, in mm. the sport. He was you know, Oh my god! I mean, I know. His, I mean, I'm talking about like the Phoenix days. Even you know, like, yes, just a, a monster, right? And I think Bam has that size and athletic ability to do that, right? And yeah. I think his face-up game, I think of Amari, right? And they, I think people like to call him like, oh, Idris Garnett when he hits a jump. I was like, no, that's 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 that. You know what I mean? Like, I've, I've seen that game, and right. he's more of that build, and he plays yeah. defense unlike Amari. And I, I just want him to be more of that, <laughs> but he's not wired that way. And I think right. we've learned – and Tiff, you, you – like, they wanted LeBron wired differently forever. Don't rewire. I'll be the first I I, I would, I'll be the first man. I wanted him to, to be a killer. Yeah. And yeah. that's not who he is. They did it with Giannis too. They wanted Giannis to shoot threes and do yeah. You know, it reminds me of that old NBA Twitter uh saying hashtag let Westbrook be let Westbrook. Yeah. For circa that's it. 2012. That's like just let these guys be themselves. And it may not be like the idealized version of what we think they can be. And that's okay. They're gonna right. become their own player and it's it's fine. Like Kyle Lowry doesn't need to score a lot of points to impact the game. And not that, you know, you want that out of your highest paid player, but I think for sure, you know, he's won championships and there's plenty of guys like him that affect the game in a lot of ways. And I, I just think that Bams is not that guy and he'll do be sometimes and not. Right. And I think that's okay. And we can want a little bit more from him. And I think that's always going right. to be a case, but he is who he is. He's very good. Well, yes, he's very good. But here's the other thing um, that I saw. So the fact that he has a massive contract, you're not you're expecting him to live up to that contract. So there are certain things that you expect from people who are at the top end of the food chain on your roster and then the bottom chain or lower on the chain. So I think it is fair to want more from a guy who's getting that type of money. But at the end of the day, if it's not in him, then that it's never going to materialize. I just think we focus think too thing, much yeah. on contracts, right, Tiff? Well, that that's one thing. I because I'm always like, it ain't my money. Um, no, it's not. <laughs> so, but I, G and I, ha we've we've had this conversation. You know, it's so funny throughout this entire year. I think, um, like for me, I see Bam as a guy who can give you, but who can give you between fifteen to twenty. Yeah should be giving me 10 boards, throw in a couple assists because he can. And I want the stout defense. I think the thing is, is that like, we're still not quite built for Bam to be able to just be that Bam. So we're at a stage where we need more points from him. That's, I think that's the problem. We're not built where he can go out and just play his game and dominate on the defensive end. 
where and then people will be like, oh, my God, Bam's awesome. It's the problem that, you know, we're lacking a lot of scoring po- uh, power right now. So this isn't, this isn't a team power. built for him also. That's like, what I, I think, And that's what I just said. We're not yeah. built. We're not built for him. Like it's a Jimmy build. The team it's a is, Jimmy and, build. and it's a, it's like a, I love Pat Riley. It's not like the best Jimmy build, right? Like they no. are, we know, are like, hodgepodge. Like <laughs> yeah. Jimmy and Bam, Chris, I've talked about this with, with uh, my former pregame show host, Jack Alfonso. We, I just talk about, he's like the biggest Bam guy I know. We talked about it. It's like Jimmy and Bam's an awkward fit. They're both guys they that don't shoot. Right. Yep. And they both occupy the same parts of the floor. And they, in a way they have kind of redundant games, you know, even like when Jimmy's a roller and pick and roll, saw in game one like bam standing in a corner it's like yeah right. you're not really helping there and they've made it work on defense because yeah defensively is where they there's a synergy on defense that i don't think we talk about enough so on offense they leave a little bit to be desired on defense i don't think there's a defensive pairing in the entire league i want more right. i don't know if you guys can come up with one like maybe maybe draymond and <clears throat> and wiggins and even then i think i still go jimmy and bam but like on defense, their synergy is perfect. On offense, right. it, there's a little bit that that they're leaving on the table. But you know, I think we know if Bam played with like Curry on offense and kind of movement shooters, mm-hmm. and you know, like like a wing at the four that could shoot, I think you'd see a very different Bam out of bio. Right. You know, like right. a lot of passing guards and stuff like that. But they just don't have that. So right. And then and also you you have to admit um, a lot of the things that people want, Bam doesn't have the skill set. Like we, you know, you, you have to, you have to ad- admit, like they want Bam on the block posting up against right. seven footers. That's yeah. It, that, like, that, that shouldn't be happening. Like that's not, not going to end well. That's, that's not his game. So I just, I think that like, of course people are looking at the contract because they can't help but to, um, and then they look at other teams and what other guys do. Um, and they and there's and there's that that comparison. Oh, if yeah. so and so can do this, why can't Bam do this? Um, and I think the thing about it is, is that while like I I hunger for more, more for Bam, I also know where the limitations lie. Um, and the more for me doesn't need to be 25 points. The more for me can be more rebounds. Gee, it can be more assists. It could be better defense um, because sometimes we pay too much attention to the scoring prowess of people because as we've seen four undrafted guys just gave, just gave the the Knicks almost 80 points. So there, so we can score. So I think we need to be focusing on Bam's going to have to figure out other ways to just be involved in the game. Right. If he can have his footprints. Yeah. He can have his footprints on more of the game, not necessarily scoring, but facilitating, You know, making you know, creating space for guys, and then being the lockdown defender. Right. We saw what he did against Giannis um, in those last couple of games. Really made it mm-hmm. tough for him to get to the lane and uh, you know get his easy baskets that he's used to getting. Uh, then I think you you have a more satisfied fan base. Right. Um, and, I, and I also think, yeah, it, it kind of maybe it speaks to how we as a society and um, and, and basketball think. We just focus on the scoring a lot of mm-hmm. times instead of basketball's played on both sides. And I don't know how you guys feel about this, but when people bring up, oh, he's a great two-way player, it's like, shouldn't everybody be a really good <laughs> two-way player or at least decent? 
<laughs> yeah. Every, every, but that's the thing. I think that like, this is also like a weird time in basketball where it's like, you can watch basketball and you can handily point out the AAU kids. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. <laughs> and, you, and you know exactly what I'm saying. So this is this is where we are in basketball. The kids who are like wearing like the the Air Jordans on the traveling teams, like you can point out, you can point out those players. So we're in like a, 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 a weird time where like, uh, you know, nobody's doing suicides anymore. Nobody, you know, n- nobody's doing the drills. Nobody, like everything is different. Um, and I, and, and also like these kids know if you can shoot like Steph Curry, everything comes with it, the accolades, the commercials and all these things, but they think, Steph just woke up on a Tuesday and he started doing it. They don't realize that's like a life's work that he's putting out there. Ask Jordan Poole. Yeah. I knew, I knew, I knew. I was going to bring him up. (laughs) I had to, dog. I had to. That was, I'm telling you, bro, not to get sidetracked. That was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in a pressure situation. It's like that and J.R. Smith. Like that was, I, I could like, he put that shot up and I bursted out laughing. That was my like natural raw reaction. We all should love ourselves when Jordan Poole loves himself. Listen, I I love that. That's probably, you know, that's that's why he's, that's it. But I'm glad you brought up Bam because I kind I want to kind of segue into uh, a a topic, non-topic 
the rebounding. Gee, I, I want you to I, I want you to talk a little bit about the the, the rebounding deficiencies that the Heat have on their side. Uh, the last game, thirty four to fifty. So and we know we know Jimmy wasn't there, and Jimmy accounts Jimmy can you know account for rebounds, but let's just kind of look at look at it as a whole. So they they could not rebound in the zone last night. And the zone started off really successful for Miami, but I thought kind of the Knicks started to figure it out because of the offensive rebounding and because they were kind of doing, <clears throat> they were they were putting uh, Barrett at the wing and not the mm-hmm. corner. So like Barrett was like one pass and then drive between kind of two small guys. So that was kind of kind of breaking the zone down and then, you know, Bam has to shift over Zeller or whoever, whoever the big is. They were having issues rebounding in the zone and I, I think it was kind of obvious to all of us um, and then toward and then the game kind of got away from them. And I think Jimmy helps him a lot as a rebounder. I think Jimmy kind of secures that. It's also the shots that they were getting. It's a lot at the rim, Chris. Mm-hmm. It's like I-, I thought the big difference in that game was you know New York got to the, New York got to the rim. Miami's mo on defense forever has been they may allow a large like a big percentage at the rim, but they have the fewest attempts at the rim every year. That has been the spo mo. They are going to help from the weak side corner. They're going to stunt in. They're going to they're going to build the wall. They're going to do everything that they can to prevent you from doing that. And Jimmy at the nail is always that first guy to stunt on any drive. That gives whoever the corner defender is a little bit more time to kind of get in. It gives the guy on the ball a little bit more time to recover. They're playing a drop now, which I think is pretty interesting mm-hmm. uh, with Bam and with their guards, which kind of discombobulated yeah. the Knicks offense because Brunson was trying to get some favorable switches and they would drop Duncan or whoever. And all of a right. sudden the Knicks, it was really funny. They didn't know what to do. <clears throat> so yeah. yeah, Tiff, I I just think that a lot of it's Jimmy's absence. I think a lot of it's the way they play defense in game two because right. Miami actually, and you may, I know, I know you don't believe in numbers, but <laughs> Miami was actually one of the teams that allowed the fewest offensive rebounds in the league last year. And their defensive rebounding percentage is really good. And they just, that's just not who they are. And I think yeah. it, when it when it happens, it looks really bad, but it's not like a, a thing with them. So I I I kind of have faith they're going to probably play love a little more, play Jimmy. I have faith that they're going to get that that cleaned up. Do you like do you like, like the fact that they're playing drop coverage though? Because we know that the Knicks are not you know a really elite three point. Well, yeah, they're not even close to elite three point shooting team. Uh, I think that's why. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also- that just. The switching kind of hurts your rebounding, Chris, because like they think when Bam gets switched, so that you know they'll decoy, right? So they'll like run a switch if Bam's on Randall, for example. They'll like run, they'll run like a pick and roll with Randall and and Brunson or something, right? And they'll, or whatever they'll get a switch, right. they'll get Bam to switch on the guard, and then they just do that to get Bam out of the paint and out of the action, and then they'll run something, and then Bam's just not involved in the play at all. So they kind of it's it's like when teams wouldn't throw to Darrell Reeves aside. In football, they're just like, we don't want to do this. And I I just think part of this adjustment has been they want to involve him in as many plays as possible, and they don't want to give the Knicks a lifeline, which is offensive rebounding. No, 100%. 100% agree. And and the other thing that I'm interested to see, I guess, on the flip side, is how um, the Knicks, you know, adjust or cover Jimmy Butler in game game two. Because I don't even think – Here's the thing. In game two, man, they were doubling these guys. But they weren't doubling Jimmy uh, last time I checked in game one, or at least not frequently, but just letting him get off. And then down the stretch when he was injured, he's not going to be fully healthy. We we know that. 
if he can get if he's like 80 percent 85 i think that's great for the heat fans um but they need to exploit that ankle mm-hmm. and they didn't do that like i don't understand if tibbs wanted to look out for his former guy but <laughs> you you have a guy who is standing in the corner on offense not doing anything because his ankle he rolled his ankle and then on defense you call him pick and rolls when when you have a team that's coached by Eric Spostra and high IQ players like Kyle Lowry, like Bam and other guys, you know they're going to switch. Like They're not going to leave their guy out hanging. So I'm really interested to see if Tibbs can get out of his own way or exploit mm-hmm. the weaknesses that you see in Miami, specifically with Jimmy's uh, injury. Because otherwise, you're just giving up extra possessions and you're wasting possessions, really. They, if they exploited Jimmy those last five minutes of game one, I think they, I think they win that game, but for whatever, for whatever reason, they were like, nah, we're good. We're call a couple pick and rolls. We're going <laughs> to, you know, attack other players and we'll live with that. I just, yeah. Chris. So New York, did New York <laughs> doubled Jimmy early, which I thought was interesting that they decided mm-hmm. that they were not going to do the bucks and Miami very quickly pivoted to like, okay. And they brought Jimmy off ball and he was a menace. It was kind of screen and slip. It was run a, a, a little pin down for him to, to cut back door. They did all sorts of, they, they would run an action on one side. Uh, one of the, and it was funny because Mitchell Robinson kept falling for this. Like Kyle and Jimmy would run uh, like, you know, Jimmy would kind of set up the screen for Kyle on, on one side and Caleb would come up from the corner as if he was going to receive the ball to like initiate offense with Zeller. Mm-hmm. So Caleb's coming up to receive the ball and Zeller comes up to screen and Mitchell's following Zeller to, to make sure that he's defending the play. And then Kyle just pivots and runs a pick and roll with Jimmy on the other side of the horns. And Jimmy slips. Mitchell's already out there guarding the fake play and Jimmy's slipping for, for a dunk. And Spo, I thought coach circles around uh, Tibbs in game one. And I, I want to see how New York's going to respond right. to Jimmy off ball. You can do a couple things. I think that you can, you can switch off ball screens, which I think that gets a little fuzzy for New York. But that's certainly something that you can spring late. I think you can play a little bit of zone to kind of limit yep. that stuff. And I think Miami's shooting, they thrive from kind of inside-out ball movement. Mm-hmm. I think that those standstill kind of move the ball in the perimeter threes aren't super good for them. I don't, I'm not familiar, I'm not familiar with their game in terms of zone. <laughs> yeah. I think that's kind of a funky option to play. Or, you know, the the other the other thing is is to just put Mitchell Robinson on Jimmy. And I talked about that on, on my show with Nikias Duncan of the Dunker Spot. You know, we've there's a history of, you know, Doc Rivers using Embiid on Jimmy mm-hmm. and it being successful. The Mavs using um I uh, I always forget his name, that big white guy. Um mm. you know, their their center um no, not yeah, Max Kleber. Uh, yeah, Kleber, yeah. Yeah, okay. they they played Max Kleber on Jimmy. I always forget his name. I don't know why. I know. He's you know like, why. He escapes me. <laughs> You know why. Uh, and this is the history. I, I, the, the, the Hawks using Collins on Jimmy in the play-in. This is the history of kind of putting centers on him and it working. The Lakers doing with Anthony Davis in the finals. So yeah. I think that's kind of an option for them. But, you know, the, he, he shredded every look that they've given. Right. I mean, I think also, like, it can be an option for them. But also, I feel like Spo would love the opportunity to bring Mitchell, Mitchell Robinson away from the basket. Yes. Like, I think... I think that's something Spo would just eat up. If you're going to get this guy away from the basket, 
then gee, there's your guy Kyle. There's there's all the guards flooding through. And you know whose life it makes way easier? Bam. Oh yeah. So I, I think Spo would just eat that up. I think so too, but I I think when it gets late, like if, if it gets late game, that becomes well, yeah. something. Yeah. And it's it's a surprise thing to spring on them. It's not something to run from, mm-hmm. from tip, but I do think right. now I will say this. That Hawks game, they were not prepared for anything. That was as unprepared as I've ever seen. Oh, the they looked yeah. horrible. Yeah. Oh, that, that was one game where you say, what, what was no, going on? Let's oh, be, they I don't say horrible got out coached often. He got his ass kicked by Quinn Snyder. Absolutely got his ass kicked. Well, you, gee, tell the truth, though. That whole game, they look horrible. And they look unprepared. Three quarters, three quarters of the Chicago game. Right. <laughs> they, they I didn't feel bad. that they looked unprepared the Chicago game. I, I don't, just think, they I don't like, think they were unprepared. They looked they like themselves. They just <laughs> didn't look <laughs> well. Which are. self? Which which right, self? Yeah. Well, the now self, the self that existed about. before Game One of Milwaukee. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ah, let's see. Well, I really that's how I felt comfortable. I was like, ah, this is who I know. <laughs> getting, getting good shots, I'm missing them. Ah, it's my, it's my if you, zone. if you guys had to pick, um. I like that you started talking adjustments, Chris, because that was actually my next that was my next segment. Um, but if you guys had to pick one player, uh, but you can't pick Jimmy, you can't pick Orange Julius, um to make an impact in game three, who who would you pick? On uh, either side? Either side. Okay. Well, I'm gonna start with the Knicks since I'm in New York. I would say I'd like to see Quinn Grimes uh, insert into the starting lineup uh, with his shooting ability. I think he's one of the better shooters on the Knicks and then also his defense. I know he's still maybe not 100% with that shoulder, but mm-hmm. I feel like he could be a great asset in defending Jimmy. I mean, Jimmy's going to get his points, but if you can make them difficult, that's the other thing. Some of these shots that Jimmy takes are extremely hard, but he's just so locked in and amazing at his craft that the great mm-hmm. defense doesn't face him. Um, but I think, yeah, Quinn Grimes could have a big role. And I'm, I'm a cheat. Emmanuel quickly. He's that was going to be spot. my pick, Chris. That was going to be my okay. pick. Okay. I'll let you go there. I'll let you go there. <laughs> I know. I, I just think that he hasn't really had an impact in the series yet. And, and when I, and I was previewing the series, he was a guy that I thought could flip the series for New York because he's the kind of speedy guard that has mm-hmm. always given Miami problems. They just don't have a point of attack defender to guard that. And especially if you play quickly and Brunson together, that puts Caleb Martin in a position of, okay, which one do the, what does he guard if quickly is playing well? And they, you know, they don't, they don't have the personnel to defend someone like that. I think they've done a good job of, I mean, he's a young player. They've sent late help to kind of, you know, be physical with him. They, they've done all the right things, but I do think that he, he, as Zach Lowe says, he can dictate the terms of engagement. And he can mm-hmm. kind of make their life hell. So that would have been my pick on New York side because he, he's yet to he's yet to have a moment yet. Yeah, and then on the on the Heat side, uh, if I had to pick one player, I'm I'm gonna stay. I brought him up earlier. I think yeah, Duncan Robinson. He he's really been in a bad bad spot uh, as far as his shooting splits and you know not knocking down open open threes. I know he had a big one uh, late in the game to make it a three point game before they eventually lost. Um, but I think it's, 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 it's inevitable, right? You're not going to be shooting horribly this long at some point it's going to switch. It's not as if his mechanics are off. 
his shot looks the same pretty much to me at least uh, from when he was in a bubble and all that. So sometimes you just go through slumps. I don't expect him to be shooting horribly uh, in game three. I think he comes out and, and knocks a lot of things down and then he'll get, he'll get more minutes. Cause at one point I think during the season, they were, they, they weren't really playing him. Right. No, he, no, he, he, he wasn't even in the rotation. Yeah, he's not in the rotation. That's why. Yeah, exactly. So it also shows, I mean, I know they've had a lot of injuries, so they kind of forced their hand, but it's also the belief that that coach Fo has had in him and the other players, even if they're not getting primetime minutes, mm-hmm. when they come off the bench or if they're start inserted into start lineup, they're confident. And they're, they're, there isn't a lot of, you know, hesitation uh, from what I'm seeing. And I think that could be, uh, that could be something that spells trouble for the Knicks. I haven't liked his shots, Tiff. No. Duncan. I, you know what? I haven't either. But if I say that, you know, nobody's going to call take you a serious. hater. They're going to call me a hater if I say that. I, I haven't liked his shot selection. I actually haven't liked. I don't think it's his um, fault, though. I think they're doing the max thing where they put him in tough spots. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. And he's just having to get them up, and he's having to get them up quick. Um yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Like, th- it's all hands on deck for the Heat. That's that's just where I'm looking at it at this point. Um, the fact that neither one of you said Max. Mm, well, I was gonna say but... Kyle. My guy on the Heat would have been Kyle. Mm. Kyle, it would have been Kyle. It would have been Kyle or Max because I think Caleb's kind of played well. But I, I think you yeah, saw Caleb's played well. Struce yeah. as a pick and roll creator made a comeback Yo. yesterday, and I was like, "Oh, baby, I haven't seen this since like Game 45." I was, I was, I was, I was in the living room dancing. <laughs> I was feeling good about myself. He opens up the lane for Ben. He he comes off the he comes off the DHO, and teams respect his shooting, and he has that angle. And if if he gets Mm -hmm. a big to step up, he's a very good finisher. He's very he's like, you know, uh, he's sneaky athletic as they like sneaky athletic as they like to say. Uh, And you know he can finish. He's he's like not a bad little passer. Um, like he can throw like that little dump off pass to Bam if, if the big kind of steps up. So uh, he's obviously like a guy that, and, and they got a game out of him, but you know, Kyle's the guy to me, you know, they need in, in hero's absence, they're going to need mm-hmm. kind of a very, you know, Caleb's really stepped up. I think Caleb and yeah, Kyle yeah. Are super stepped up in that role, but yeah, I think if you get, you know, I think Kyle's done everything except for score the ball consistently this playoff run, right. he's done everything else exceptionally, but they can get a little bit more scoring punch out of him. And he's been aggressive. He's he's mm-hmm. coming off pull-ups on the break. He's coming off the handoff shooting. 
And I think that's huge for them because he opens up that dimension for Bam, I think, more than anybody else because of how he can leverage kind of the defender off the screen because he's he's the best passer on the team. He's, well, eh, he's uh, he's one of the best passers on the team. A little, he's been a little off target this season, but uh, he's so skilled and smart that, you know, you kind of want, uh, he does that thing where he'll kind of, he had a three in game one where he comes off the, he comes off the screen from Bam. Bam kind of rolls and Kyle ducks behind him again. And like, it, it's almost like a child navigating a mall where it's like kind of going <laughs> through the leg of adults and then just ends up open. And the defender's like, where did he go? And it's him. And he just does dumb stuff like that. That just opens the game yeah. up in, in funny ways. So I, you know, he does, he does a lot of things. Uh, some of them might does a lot of things. That's gonna some be the them. new tagline for Kyle. He, he does, does a, a lot, lot of things. things. <laughs> some, some, of them are, things. <laughs> some of them I do not like at all, but that's part of the game with the, the flopping. But it, it it just speaks to the uh, I guess he's a grifter. Again, the, yeah, but, but he's extremely smart. Yes. As much and, I, and as much as I hate it, you know, same thing with Chris Paul. He's a I, people call him like he's a cop because uh, he's snitching on other players. The untucked jersey, uh, Chris, come on. Right. <laughs> the untucked jersey, everything. Uh, but, yeah, they, they know how the game is played. They know how the officiating is going to be, and they use that to their advantage. Uh, because for the longest, I couldn't figure out why are they calling uh, these – why are they calling fouls on flops? But the coaches teach them, like even from AAU – they teach players to flop because they know the refs yep. are going to call it. Even though they try to get uh, rid of it with the new rule this season, I feel like in the playoffs they've let it they let it go more than in the regular season, at least early on. Um, but hey, he's taking advantage of the rules that are given to him. And even though I wish he didn't do that, it it's smart. It's a smart tactic. Don't like it, but. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 did y'all think? Chris, uh, just Josh, say it. He's an asshole on the court. <laughs> I'm trying to be nice. He plays. I'll say it. He's my favorite player. He plays like an asshole. And yes. they, they need it. They need it. Yeah. Yeah. They need. Yeah, it. You need that. They got. You, that's you the, need a guy. Every team needs a guy. It's as the Celtics have Marcus Smart. You know, everybody has the guy that plays like an asshole. No one else is gonna like them but you. But you need it. Yeah. You, you need it. You, you definitely do. UD when he played, you know, I mean, oh, I know he's getting up in Bobby Portis's face in the Buck series. Um, <laughs> <laughs> little enforcer, but yeah. I have UD in that fight. I don't know about you, Chris, but I, you know. Oh, um, I take I, I take I that, UD with gray in his beard any day. That's old man strength. Okay. I, hey, look, man, Bobby Portis punched a guy in the face and yep, knocked him all the way back to Europe. Listen, Bobby punched the guy in the face and that guy got traded. Draymond Green punched the guy in the face and that guy had to go to work together the next day. <laughs> right? They are I got to say. I got to look at this man every day. <laughs> right. When you punched me and I didn't I didn't get my lick back. Exactly. You know, I'm, he, he I'm still trying back. to get my lick back. Right. That man got sent to Milwaukee after that. <laughs> they sent that man in division. <laughs> that man left. He's, that man took his passport like, and said, I'm going yeah. home. He said, I'm gone. I'm good. I think it's something about, though, Bobby Forrest's eyes and how much fear 
it gives me like oh, those crazy. Yeah. He has but a I, since the Obama administration. The best. G, how, G, how, what is the crowd? G, what did the crowd Bobby, sound like? B, 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 B. You didn't hear that? It's so creepy. Most people <laughs> love so that creepy. guy. It's, it's, that's like, had, it was what was called, his stat line? Zero, zero, zero. And they were just like, Bobby, Bobby. He was he like the Tony nothing. Snell meme. He was like that yes. Tony oh, Snell meme. Oh. <laughs> he did nothing and they were cheering for him. That's the craziest thing. And of course, we laughed. Of course. Because y'all yes. won, right? I don't think you'd exactly. be laughing if uh, <laughs> they ended up beating y'all, but. No way. No. Okay, but that's in the past. We won. It is. It is. It is. Why you gotta bring up something that didn't happen? Right. Why you gotta bring up, why you gotta make up it old makes, stuff? It, make, it makes me feel better uh, <laughs> knowing that maybe there would be a chance for revisionist history, uh, but it's never gonna change. The bus so, collapsed. <laughs> so I um gee I I had this for Will because um Will was supposed to be on uh I, gee I feel like I know your stance on it but uh just something I'm gonna start asking people when they come on do you want me to just, answer uh, like I'm Will Manso no please don't Will will never come on um, <laughs> love you Will it's a fan or fanatic and it's basically because gee I, I know you engage on Twitter heavily <laughs> chris i know you engage on twitter yeah but i, I want to kind of if, if we can kind of briefly talk about how you engage on twitter and you you find like the positive interactions amidst all the the toxic energy uh you want i'll, I'll go and i'll, I'll let chris yeah, you go first. um yeah. okay I'll, I'll get a little personal with mine i mean i've i mean tiff yeah. i mean we're good friends Yep. I mean, I went to, you know, I went to Christian Hernandez's wedding, well, who I met on Twitter, who contributes to Heat Beat. I, I went to Alf's baby shower, uh, you know, then on the phone for all my friends here. Um, I've been all over the world because of friends I made on Twitter. Been to Italy, been to Scotland, Japan, all sorts of places that I never thought I would, the stupid bird app helped mm -hmm. foster a community that made me a lot of friends. And, and you know, through all the ridiculousness, A, it's hilarious. Cause you find stuff making fun of Jordan Poole when he hits a shot and you're just like, man, that was so funny tonight was so worth it. And on the other end, you, you know, you build community. And I think that, mm -hmm. you know, so much of life is about finding those communities and, 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 you know, we're, we're never alone as alone as we may feel sometimes we're never alone. And, and even if it's just a stupid thing in our pocket that we open and flip open and get to talk to somebody, I, I think that matters when I went to the Nick game, the guys uh, in front of me, they were all Heat fans and they turned around and they wanted, they, they were really excited to meet me. They, uh, they were like, Oh my God, I, I, I love the pod. You know, I found you on Twitter and it really got us through the pandemic as New Yorkers. I know Tiff, you know how hard that was mm -hmm. up there and stuff like that, man, like that's all made on the stupid bird app. This was a community foster on that. So as much as it could be toxic and it could be so denigrating to our everyday lives, how much we stare at this screen, how much, how, how bad it can make us feel, how we can engage in so much negativity on it. There's so much positive that we can take out. And it's not for everybody. So it's not right. to say like, well, if you're, you know, you got to use it the right way. Like it's not for everybody, but you know, I've been very fortunate to kind of get that out of it. So that's kind of what, that's kind of the balance I have. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of the same, same way. Like, like G. So I really appreciate individuals who have different perspectives than I do. Um, but do it in a respectful and, and fun way. 
where you're learning. And even though you may not agree at the end of the day, you can see where that person is coming from. And, you know, he brought up the community. I've gained so many, you know, virtual friends that have, you know, become real friends in person that I meet. And it's really a breath of fresh air because you do realize that there are people who are like-minded in terms of their approach to the industry. And you have to be really grateful and appreciative of that because of the ridiculous amount of toxicity on that app to the point where I will mute. I mute anybody um, or I don't have notifications on for anybody that I don't follow. Um, I don't, they don't follow me. Like I, I'm just not because it, it messes with your head. But the people, but if I see somebody say something that, you know, I don't follow and it's a good response and they don't have a, an avi that doesn't show their face, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll respond. But if they're saying some out of pockets things and they don't have an avi and they're just trying to, you know, rile you up, right? I, I, I ignore it or I don't, I don't even see it anymore. It's like, they're people talking to themselves mm-hmm. and it's like, maybe I'm not, I'm not listening to this. I'm not, I'm not hearing this. You can reply to all my tweets. I'm never going to look at them unless I'm freaking bored and I want to go downwards in my life. Uh, so yeah, I, I think appreciate not getting too high or too low, uh, as cliche as that sounds, is really important, or else you'll go you'll go insane. Yeah. All right. I I I appreciate you guys sharing that. I think that's just something I kind of want to go forward with, um, and it, just because just so people know, you can find a sense of community anywhere. You know, um, we, like G said, we're never alone. You're, you're always a finger touch away from somebody. Um, and, and we, we just, we got to realize that we got to realize that check, check on your brother, check on your sister, because we all we got. We're all we got. And and with that, I want to show you guys one thing and we're going to get out of here. Brian, you got that video? Look closely. You know what that's called? A foul. An offensive foul? Or defense? A defensive foul. And you know who that's on? Julius Randle. Wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. That was a... Yes. They called that on Randle. They they called that Randle. No, they called that on Kyle. They called it on Kyle. Kyle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yes, they did. Yes, they did. And look at that elbow to the face. And down and down. That's what they did to my man. Look at that. Gee, look at your man. He was he fell hooking on him. him what? Look at him. Was he hooking though? Was he hooking that up? No. I don't know. How? Look at that. Look, look at his up right. He, see? How? He's not hooking. He concussed that at that angle. point. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, Chris, I, I saw the other angle. I'm not I'm not a ref guy. I didn't I, you know we are a post game. I didn't want to do the I didn't want to do the Scott Foster show. That was <laughs> That, I don't blame the ref for not seeing if a ball touched the rim or not. That's hard. Uh, I thought that was that was the call that I was like, "What the hell is going on?" Yeah, that that looked pretty bizarre to me. Um, that's a reputation call against Kyle, a hundred percent. Of course it is. Oh, of yeah. course it is. Yeah, course, Scott yeah, Foster got right. sick of Kyle shit, just like he gets yep. sick of Chris Paul shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> it is. Oh my but gosh! With that. Uh, I'll end it as I always end it. You are seen, you are heard, you are loved. Thank you guys for coming on. Chris, tell the people where they can find you. 
Yeah, so they can find me at C Williamson44 on Twitter, C Williamson TV9 on Instagram, and uh, that's where you'll get all my takes and, and insights about sports and other topics. So yeah, go ahead and hit the follow button when uh, when you're ever on those apps. Gee. <laughs> you said y'all know where you can follow me. If you're not following me at this point, then you just don't want to follow my other account at subtitled anime. I tweet about anime and I tweet about my uh, my esports career. That listen, I wanna I I won a couple games at my local the other day. I bet you follow me over there. So check me out. All okay. right. I do YouTube stuff. I play uh I play Super Smash Melee, Chris. I'm uh I'm 30 and I'm getting back. I'm getting back on the horse. Um, <laughs> okay. It's fun. Listen, it's it's fun to compete. I love competing. I love trying to get better at stuff. I love meeting new people, uh, you know, locally. It's it's fun. But, yeah, check me out over there. I do uh, – I'm actually going to start the YouTube channel up again. So, you know my basketball stuff. Uh, come check out my other stuff that's more for, 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 the, for the fun. All right. I want to say thank you to Brian, my producer. And if you're watching this on Twitch, if you're watching this on YouTube, or if you're listening to it, hey, drop us a like. Do whatever you need to do. We'll be back at some point. Brian, take us out. Shit myself, make me tip it and I don't need nobody else, yeah.